Hey up, what's going on in here? Hi, we're East Leeds FM. We are musical, interesting, funky. Why don't you come join us? Hello, welcome to East Leeds FM. I am Juaria. This is Red Kite, and in the studio I've got um, Abril, Johan, Mia, Lyra, Peter, our director of words, and Tony on tech. Hi, everybody. Yeah. Hello, welcome Hi. to this Hi. beautiful spring day. The sun is shining. How's everyone doing? Good. Good. Yeah, yeah good, yeah. So, we've got some exciting action on the show today. So, first of all, before we get into a little bit of a roundup of some things that are going on, anyone know we've got a guest coming in, joining us through the miracle technology all the way from Manchester. Who we got coming on the show? Anyone know? So, we have um, Alex from um, a new. Um, party that's just been that started called the breakthrough party and we'll be talking to him pretty soon in the show and anything else coming up after that to area um we've got um some interviews with um april about open day and then we're going to be speaking to johan about barcelona and maybe more who knows and this might be, I think, the first time we've had the leader of a national political party on the Red Kite. So, Alex, it's a brand new party. We're going to find out all about what they, what they do, what they stand for. Um, first of all, though, let's, let's just reflect. Let's have a th- think about Open Day, which happened last Sunday. Uh, yeah, who was there? Me! Abra was there, <laughs> Johan was there, you weren't there, you missed something. Uh, but it was, something, it was a good day, wasn't it? What, Abra, what, how did you feel about the day? It was really fun. It was really like jam packed, full of like things, but it didn't feel too crowded. Like we had the next gen climate thing. We had the the dancing, which was all very last second, <laughs> yeah. and just coming and like, do you want to do dancing? But um, and then there was loads of, like and there was performances as well, and it was just really good though overall. And there was loads of people there to be honest. There were loads of people. Some people I didn't recognise. How about you, Johan? Do you have a good time? Yeah, it was very uh, fun and. Uh, there was a lot of uh, people uh, during the uh, the pop up performance that we did. Um, it was like, I mean, well, well, we stuck to the we stuck to the plan, and uh, I think uh, maybe we could have had a little improvement, but I think it was still really good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, your brother was there, wasn't he? Was yeah. Sofian. Yeah. He was there. Yeah. yeah, it was very nice to see him. I've known him since... I've known Sufian since he was about th- your age now, 13. He was a member of the writing group, and he's still coming to the writing group. Well, he, he was until recently. Yeah, he's... A, you know, if you don't know... He's done enough stuff you should do. He's a lovely guy. You have a brother? Yeah. <laughs> wait, you have a brother? I thought you were an only child. No. Same. Hey. Well, we, today we learn new things. <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> and also, Peter, when you say writing group, is it the one that you do on Wednesdays? Well, it, the one that Sufian was in was the Associate Writers, which was oh. a particularly a young people's writing group. But that's kind of not happening at the moment, although I'd like it to happen again. So if anybody wants to take part, you're very welcome. But uh, no, the one, one of the Wednesdays, the one that you've been coming to, Juaria, yeah. which is uh, a one o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon. And there's people in that group who are not particularly young. In fact, the oldest person is about 70. Uh, and the youngest person is probably me. Uh, is you, yeah. but yeah, it's a good thing. So open day was great. Anything? What was the food like? I didn't try the food. <laughs> <laughs> what, did you miss? 
<laughs> I asked the wrong person there. Abdul, yes. did you have any of the food? Yeah, I did. Um, yeah. I didn't have so much, but I had some like salad. I had some like a tuna, like an open tuna sandwich. I had a samosa. It was very nice. I had some like little pizza things, and it was actually really nice to be honest. Cool. All for free. Uh, Woo. Yeah. And we're going to be talking to you. You did a gig with your band, mm-hmm. so we're going to be talking to you about that uh, later. later on. Yeah, and we've got uh, yeah, so a special discussion with Abril about the how it went, and mm-hmm. we're playing one of the songs. Not that you did, sadly, because we haven't got access to those. But uh, one of the songs that you covered, and yeah, so Jueria, you had a, a topic for Red Kite Roundtable. Okay. Which, uh, by the way, I've just gotten news, Harathawar, is that our guest is ready to join us in a moment. So I think we're going to come back and talk about our, our ideas for creating new political parties after we've had a chance to chat with Alex. But first, before we break away to a little bit of music, Abril's got some other important news for you. If you haven't been tuning in to East Leeds of M lately, we have a new way that you can get in touch with us. Tell us about that, Abril. So if you want to contact the studio via WhatsApp, send your message to 077-4969-7895. Again, 077-4969-7895. And we'll be replying to your messages on the air. And if we want, we can shout you out on the show live. Yes. Fantastic. We have to compose a song around that that number now. Maybe maybe uh, Overflow can write a piece of music to, to we're on the, our way. <laughs> make, the, make the phone number come to life. So we got a bit of music, and then we'll have Alex Mays joining us right after this next song. So what are we hearing next on the radio? What what music we got? So I chose this song. It's a sing by My Chemical Romance. And here it is.
Alex, are you there? Oh, I'm here. Hello, Alex. Hello. Hey, welcome to the Red Kite radio show on East Leeds FM. We've got a, a room full. We've got Abro, Lyra, Mia, Joaria, and Johan, plus myself and Peter. So welcome to the show. No, thanks so much for having me. It's good to meet you. Good to meet you all. Well, we're excited to learn about the Breakthrough Party, and we've got uh, some questions for you. So who wants to start? Uh, so um, I think it's important to start with them. Like, what was your journey in politics um, growing up? Like, where, did you, where did you stand on politics? Yeah, so that's, that's a really interesting question because I guess I came into politics really late. Um, you know, I'm, I'm 31 now. And when I was a teenager, I couldn't be less invested in politics um, for what for one reason or another. I just never had that. Um, I guess like my family aren't political. Um, you know, when you're at school as well, I don't think schools can be um, particularly political as well. Um, and I never really grew up with it. So it was very much like my values um, were learned from, from my mum mainly. Um, she would never describe herself as, you know, socialist or left wing, but um, the sort of values of compassion um, and like treating people with respect and all of these sort of like things sort of like um, were a part of me growing up. Um, and it wasn't really until my mid twenties that I started getting fully invested in politics following like a bit of a career change. Like I was a chef when I was in my late teens and early twenties. Um, and then I wanted to retrain to be a journalist and I moved up to Manchester in down south. And that's kind of when I started getting, that was a similar time to when Corbyn became Labour leader. Um, I became a lot more invested in politics and very interested about what was going on. It's sort of been a snow, snowball since then really, where in terms of like how I've got into politics. Um, yeah, so it's been a, and politically it's been a strange, a strange um, six or seven years since. I have to agree with what you said about um, how schools aren't like that political because, I mean, they don't talk about it in schools enough and um, it's not like taught in lessons. And I think that's why um, young people aren't really like invested in it as much as you'd think. I totally agree with you, yeah. Um, like when I was in school, I remember doing a assistantship GCSE, which I think had politics and democracy a little bit about it in there. And I don't, I remember barely any of it. I think, I remember the Lib Dems being in it, I think, because at the time, I think they were starting to, to grow and cause a bit of disruption in politics at the time, like the mid-noughties. But I don't actually remember much of it. And beyond that, like, I think another sort of very brief memory I had when I was like 13, I think it was, was um, the Stop the War um, campaign, like Stop the Iraq War campaign. And I remember being sitting out with other with other students like protesting that, um, I think in 2003. And like, that's probably the first political expo exposure I'd ever had. And then beyond that, as you say, in lessons, it's just not taught at all. And like political education is so minimal um, for young people. And like, there's such a, a need for that to, to change in like, you know, in schools and curriculums, but also, you know, there's so much work that can be done um, in political projects, um, community projects outside of school as well, which I think is so important. My um, question is, was it hard creating like a political party and being the leader? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, very hard. Um, strangely, like it, 
it's probably like it's it's different challenges at different times really so like when you're actually starting it up there's a lot of um a lot of red tape and a lot of bureaucracy i guess in terms of getting the party registered and a lot of um yeah a lot of sort of like niggly bits that you need to sort of like get off um but it's now we're at the stage now that, that we have you know thousands of um members registered supporters and we're now at that stage where it's almost um the, the real work starts now really in terms of doing work in communities and um you know up and down the country which is the really um which is now the really tough work and sort of establishing ourselves as that um as that real alternative to the mainstream parties like so yeah it's it's very challenging um like i've I've given for over the last 14 months or so since it started um given like a lot of spare time to it and where i could i was working you know i I was working them full time um as well as trying to do this and yeah it's really challenging and like you're obviously relying on some fantastic people um to get involved and we've had you know we have several you know several like fantastic volunteers that have given so much time and um passion and knowledge and expertise to the party and you know we've sort of gone to strength from strength to strength and it's been like you know for for me it's like i have to sort of wake up every day and sort of pinch myself um that this is a this is a real thing that's um you know whether it's competing in elections um you know gaining local councillors um you know releasing like policy platforms you know and actually being yeah being this um political entity which just simply didn't exist 18 months ago so yeah it's it's been pretty yeah it's been very very challenging and there'll be more challenges as we get bigger i'm sure um especially from the political establishment and like the media as well um but we're just really we're ready to face that and really excited to see where it can go um my question is um what does youth-led mean yeah that that's a really that's a really interesting one because yeah i think it means different things to different people how i see it is that i think the the experiences and the difficulties that young people face have been pretty much ignored by politicians for you know a number of years not just the tories labor as well um issues around education housing work and climate change um and what we're trying to do as a party by say, saying that we're youth-led is saying that we're not going to ignore these issues. These are issues that we're really going to face up to and deal with. Um, we don't want to see younger generations growing up and being poorer than the generations that came before them or facing um, like more difficult um, situations and like their life chances are reduced, um, whether that's because they're facing insecure low-paid work they're not able to or to buy a house they're having to pay tens of thousands of pounds on tuition fees at university and facing the you know the climate change crisis which has been again forced upon them by previous generations and having to pick up the pieces of that so when we say youth-led um we're not only necessarily you know we're not necessarily saying that only young people can lead the party or like be in senior positions in the party but what we are trying to say is that we're we're focused on these issues um because they've been just systematically ignored for too long now 
You said something about um, education. That if there's anything you could change in the education system, what would it be? Oh, there's so many things. Um, you know, going very quickly to tuition fees. Obviously, we, we'd want to see them cancelled, and we'd want to see the student debt paid back um, to all to all students who face that. Um, but I think the most important thing for me would be looking at the curriculum and looking at different students. I think all I think all students are treated the same, like they're like every that everyone learns the same, which they obviously don't. And I think what I would really like to see is like a curriculum and an education system that caters to everyone, um, which at the moment it doesn't simply, and it's not preparing young people for life beyond education school college university so i'd like to see that um yeah i think that's probably i'd say that's probably the most important thing is just like preparing preparing kids for life after education um you know like for example like i didn't know <laughs> i you know I, I recently bought a house i didn't know anything about mortgages debt i didn't know anything about um paying bills or anything like that i didn't know any practical skills at all um and that was that was, and it doesn't prepare you for it. It doesn't prepare you for, for life. And I think there's so many um, things that people just simply don't know growing up. And I think it'd be great if we were able to um, provide, yeah, provide a more like, practical skills. And also beyond that as well is being able to give, um, children, you know, like um, children all the way up to you know people in their, you know, when they're older to have access to lifelong education as well, like free lifelong education, because it's changed now where, you know, years ago, you'd be in a career for 30, you know, in a job for 30, 40 years, and then you retire. Um, people are changing careers all the time or looking for new jobs. And we want to be able to make sure that people have the opportunity to retrain and go into different careers or um, anything like that. So that's an. Sorry, I appreciate. It. I probably said three things instead of one thing, but these are all so important in different ways. And um, yeah, I, I think if I had to pick one, it'd be the curriculum, definitely, and um, not treating all um, students the same. Um, yeah. I think I have to agree with you on that one as well because, um, and I also think the way that students are tested should be changed as well because as someone with a visual impairment I have struggled with maths for a really long time and I'm 17 in college and resitting for the third time I think now and it's my second year and I honestly just think that it's too visual and um, it's a lot to remember and um, a lot of like students I know fail maths for this reason and other subjects so I, I feel like they should limit the number of like, visual like content that comes in and I also just think they should um, like not do like really really big exams they should like make small assessments throughout the whole year like the way we were testing in Covid because I feel like it was easier for people to revise like that as well Jeremy, a great. Totally sorry, Alex, sorry, I'm cutting in on you, but that, that great, great points, Jeremy. We're going to take a, a musical break. This is Peter, by the way, Alex. Nice to meet you. Um, Hi, Peter. <laughs> you, you, you chose a, a song by Sam Fender. Could you tell us why you, why you chose that? Yeah, so Sam Fender is probably one of my favourite musicians. Um, you know, does a lot of political commentary. Um, like this particular song, "Hypersonic Missiles," was the first song I heard by him. Um, 
you know, again, like details, um, political conflicts going on in, in 2019, I think it was, and how this is all going around the world. And it's sort of like a, a bit of a love song as well, which is really weird. You've got all these, you know, political conflicts going around the world and you've got these two people that are just trying to make the best of life around it all. And mm. that sort of spoke to me a lot. <laughs> so it's, some, it's a song that I absolutely love. And I think... I could have probably, I could have picked even I off the latest album, but that's a bit more sweary. So I thought I'd go for something a bit more, um, <laughs> yeah, a bit more positive. And uh, yeah, it's really, it's a really lovely song. Dutch kids have balloons in the parking lot. The golden arches illuminate the business park. I eat myself the death, feed the corporate machine. I watch some movies, recite every line and scene. God bless America and all of its allies. I'm not the first to live with wool over my eyes. I am so blissfully unaware of everything. Kids and girls are a bond and I'm just out of it The tensions of the world are rising higher We're probably due another war with all desire I'm not smart enough to change a thing I have no answers, only questions, don't you?
we are back and uh, we are continuing our conversation with Alex from the Breakthrough Party and now I'm going to pass it over to Johan to ask his question. Um, so, uh, first I want to read uh, one of the things from uh, your website. So, the Conservative government is on an authoritarian rampage, inciting the culture wars to distract us from its catastrophic handling of the pandemic, an economy in ruins and a planet on fire. So my question is, what are you going to do um, to sort out those problems? Well, thank you. No, thank you for your question. I think, yeah, there's definitely, there's so much we can do. There's so much we can do. Um, first off, I think when we look at the economy in ruins, let's take that to start. People, we're seeing during this cost of living crisis as well, like that, you know, when we look at wages, they've stagnated. Um, for you know, going on fifteen years since the financial crash in two thousand eight, we need like a real minimum wage of fifteen pounds. So that's something that we support as a party. We think everyone should have more money in their pockets, um, and this is even more pressing now. Um, as well as that, we've seen in the news with the P and O sacking, say eight hundred people sacked without notice. Um, we had banned fan, um, fire and rehire and zero hours contracts, basically anything that puts workers at risk or insecure, um, insecure employment. Um, when we look at, you know, the energy crisis as well, like bills are going up massively. We would want to see um, the energy sector nationalised, take that back into public ownership and cap bills as well. So that's really important. Um, and with climate change, um, really, really important, but it has to be said that we need to invest billions, if not, you know, potentially trillion, like over the next 10 years um, to get to net zero as quickly as possible. We cannot underestimate the scale of the challenge to deal with climate change, um, but there needs to be the political will to deal with it. Um, so we would absolutely commit to a massive investment um, to deal with the impact of climate change and to, to get to net zero as quickly as possible. So we're not going above that um, temperature rise of 1.5 degrees. Um, an important part of that as well is like collaborating across borders as well, um, not just sort of focusing on the UK and our emissions. It's helping um, other countries across the world to decarbonize. Um, and, in, and also like redress um, previous harms done to those countries by countries, uh, but, but like by like the UK and other Western countries um, through um, previous um, colonialism um, and um, stuff along those lines as well. Uh, so with the break Breakthrough Party in general, what are you hoping to achieve in the future and what are you hoping it will like lead into, if you know what I mean? Yeah, of course. So, you know, as a party, um, we want to see a socialist government. Like, that's what we want to see. Um, so how do we get there? That's obviously, <laughs> it's very much a work in progress. Like, we want to be building communities up and down the country. That's a massive focus for us at the moment. Um, and that's obviously, yeah, like, that's the, that's our main focus at the moment, actually doing good in communities rather than just turning up a few weeks before an election um, and building routes like actually, you know, whether it's helping 
um, start a food bank or uniform collection or litter picking or whatever we can do, whatever good we can do, we want to do that in communities up and down the country. Um, so like we want, you know, I think how I see it with Breakthrough in particular is that we have these sort of two strands of what we want to achieve. We obviously have our ambitions electorally, but we also want to build power um, among everyone in this society to, you know, in, in our communities, um, you know, in workplaces and on the streets as well. So whether that's in trade unions, whether that's in um, like through protesting and direct action, as we've seen with like um, um, Extinction Rebellion, Sisters Uncut um, and others, um, that's what we want to do. So that's how we get there. We have to build a mass movement of people um, to get us to the position where hopefully that will be enough people to get us a socialist government. Can I just ask, yes, very briefly, we've got to go in a minute because um, and it's been fascinating talking to you. Have you have you got any any councillors at the moment? Have you got anybody running for power in any situation? Yeah, so we currently have eight councillors. So they are um, like different levels, like, you know, from parish and town um, to people, I think a couple of district councillors as well. And we have um, a handful, a very small handful of candidates that are standing in the local elections in May as well, in, in Wales and in Birmingham, um, which is really exciting as well. And we're currently, you know, through our work in developing our regional branches and, you know, continue trying to start up that work in communities, we're also sort of um, identifying people within the party who could potentially stand in the future general elections as well. So, yeah, we're very much like working towards that. Well, the very best of luck, Alex. I'm sure all of us would uh, wish you good luck. Yeah, good luck. Yes, yeah. Good luck. Good luck. No, no, thank you very much. No, thank you. It's been really lovely chatting to you all. Well, it's the first time on Red Kite that we've ever interviewed the the leader of any party. So, uh, yeah, you're a first, and it's been great talking to you. You've got one, mm-hmm. one, one track up your sleeve. Uh, it's uh, by Muse. Could you just explain why you've chosen it before we have to leave you? Yeah, absolutely. So another one of my favourite band, like one of my favourite um, artists. Um, I've, I've pretty much loved Muse since I was, you know, a teenager. Um, this song in particular is a cover, but I think it's just a fantastic, just a fantastic, positive, really like just, it gets you really, for me, it gets me really hyped and really excited. Um, and yeah, it's just, I think it's just brilliant. Like Matt Bellamy's voice is fantastic in it as well. So yeah. Um, yeah, love it. Love bye it. bye, everybody. From everybody, then see see you, Alex. <laughs> bye, see ya. Bye. Birds flying high, you know how I feel Sun in the sky, you know how I feel Rains drifting on by, you know how I feel It's a new dawn, it's a new day, it's a new life for me And I'm feeling
Welcome back from that. Alex's interview was really nice having him here. And now we're going to now have another interview with Johan because he went on a little vacation to Barcelona. And <laughs> and we want to know, what did you do in Barcelona? How was it? Um, it was good. <laughs> Could elaborate a bit more? Uh, it wasn't sort of as I would like, as TV shows would present it to be because... They they present to be like really warm all the time, but it's actually it was raining a bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just really a bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Does anyone else want to ask a question? Uh, what was the highlight of the trip for you? Uh, probably going on the tour of Barcelona because. We used to walk. We just got to walk around the city, buy some souvenirs. I bought some necklaces. Uh, got some sweets. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of sweets? I didn't buy any. Oh. <laughs> what? What? You said you, <laughs> you, said you bought. Well, sweets. some people did. Um, oh, some wow. people. Other people's highlight was buying some sweets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can I ask you a question? You, you, you went for some for a conference, didn't you? Yeah. And you did some interviews, which we're going to hear in a minute. Can you just explain what the conference was? Uh, basically, we were talking about uh, children's rights and how not enough people are talking about it. So we all gathered in Barcelona just to think of ideas to, like, spread the message, spread the word. So in a minute, we're going to have that pre-record, which is uh, it's called Johan's Interviews, a series of interviews that you you did over in Barcelona. <laughs> So where were you staying? In a hotel up with in a, with the conference? 
uh, it was a youth hostel. Um, uh, it was like really nice, like uh, probably some people like high quality. There was a pool table. There was like a games room. There was vending machines. Just a whole canteen as well. Wonderful. Well, let's hear some of those interviews now. So I'm here with Betty. Uh, we're going to talk about children's rights. Yeah, very important topic. Um, so when did you like first know about it, like find out about it? About children's rights? Um, I know about children's rights since, like, I don't know, years. Um, because we always um, talked about the topic and as Kinderfreunder in Austria, we always um, talked about how important it is to have children's rights, not only um, in our own country, but around the world, for all of the children. Um, and I think the first thing I, as an adult, realized is that there's way to go for all of the children, um, so they can have all of their rights. Um, was it talked about a lot in your childhood? Yes. In my childhood, it was talked about a lot, but that's partly because my parents are both active in Kinderfreunde and children's rights is a huge topic in Kinderfreunde, so there was, like, no way around. Um, what do you think uh, we should all do to spread the word of children's rights? I think the first thing to do is act according to children's rights, like, in, in our organizations, but also stepping up for children's rights when we um, see them violated. And then, of course, we have to get loud and strong together um, to make all of the people who can really make the decisions about rights in other countries, um, to let them know that that's an important topic and that children's rights have to be realized for all of the children. Thank you. So I'm here with my Italian friends. Uh, we're going to talk about children's rights. So, what did you find out about children's rights? It's something that not many people think about. And some of them seem to be uh, like a given. Some, some people just take it for granted. For example, the right to have a name. And it's actually not that granted. It's granted because somebody had the, had the idea to write it down. But it's something that we we think it, like it's given to everybody. We th we take it for granted, and it's just uh, very we're used to it. Do you think people talk about it enough? Pensate che le persone ne parlino abbastanza dei diritti dei bambini. No, assolutamente no. Not in the not in the slightest. No. Um, what do you think we could do to maybe just stop, like? people from just ignoring it and actually let them know about it. Cosa potremmo fare per fare in modo che la gente smetta di ignorare la questione di trascurarla e per fare in modo che la gente conosca questi diritti e ne parli un po' di più. raise awareness about them, we could talk about them in school. Oh, protest. Okay, organize some like protest or, or something to, you know, raise our voice and raise awareness in other people. Mm. 
nella vita quotidiana. Ah, ok, introduce this ride in everyday life so that people can see them around it and experience them in everyday life. Thank you for your time. Thank you. So I'm here with Julia and we're going to talk about children's rights. Okay. Um, so my first question is when did you find out about children's rights? Um, I found, well, I became interested in children's rights uh, and found out the importance of children's rights about four or five months ago when I first began to get involved in the Kids Got Rights project. Um, did you ever hear about it before, like maybe in school? Um, yeah, a bit throughout school and just throughout my life in general, but I didn't quite understand the importance of children's rights and the role of children um, in society, like the power children have. Do you think it's talked about enough? Um, it's hard to say because I grew up in America, so I can really only say that. In America, no, I don't think so. I don't think it's talked about enough. Um, so what do you think you could do to maybe spread the word? Um, I think participating in this project is one step. Another is to be vigilant of opportunities that come up for young people to make their voice heard, because unfortunately there's not enough. Uh, thank you, Julia. So I'm here with Kisa. Um, I'm here to interview about Kids Got Rights. Um, so what what does it mean to you, like, just to spread the word of it? Oh, we have been working with it for many, many years in, in Denmark. We're trying to get the rights for the kids into our law. So we are working very, very much with it. Um, when did you first find out about children's rights? I think it's about 10 years ago when we started it in DOE. Then I heard of it for the first time and read it very carefully. I have heard a little bit about the few of them before, but not much. And many in Denmark doesn't know about the Kids Got Rights and the Children's Convention. Did they ever mention that like during your childhood? No, not in my childhood. But DOE was existing at the time but they never talked about kids rights never uh, my final question is what what do you think the world should do to spread this word I think something like what we are doing now so that your children know what your rights are then you will continue it when you grow up I think that's a very good way to start and then talk to the politicals and make them understand about the Children's Convention. Thank you, Kisa. So I'm here with Ruba and we're going to talk about children's rights. So my first question is, when did you find out about children's rights? When I was eight years old and I'm very old now. Uh, was it talked about often? No, not at all. Like very seldomly. So who taught you it? 
my parents, but then also like the group that I was part of, my after after school group. Uh, what? Like, how important do you think children's rights is? Sorry, can you repeat the question? How important do you think children's rights is? I think they are very, very important. And I think it's very important to know that there is a reason why it's different than human rights, that we have children's rights and we have human rights. And for me, children's rights are very important uh, to have also separated and have it for all the children to know about them. What, what do you think we should all do to like, spread the words? I think we all need to start talking about children's rights. We all need to make sure that the rights are not being crossed or um, coming to reality. I think it's very important that we fight together to make sure that every children around the world have uh, have their rights as a child. Thank you, Ruba. from Johan and then that track which I'm not too sure what it is called. Called Barcelona, Dueria. Oh, that's it, <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway, now we're going to speak to Abril about her band. Do you want to tell us um, like how the band got started and like the name? So, I'm part of a band. Um, our name is Overflow and I'm the singer. We've got um, Dan who's the guitarist. We've got Adam, who's the drummer, and Jonah, who's plays the bass. And we met um, through Cloth Cat organisation. I did this, like, radio group, and then I found this band that needed a singer, so I joined up in, like, September, but they joined before me. So we've been together for, like, seven months, but they were, to get, they were together for, like, more because they started in, like, June. Um, so we kind of just met then, and then we just... We've just been making music and we've just been killing it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, like, how did that you? How did that your interest in music begin? Ooh, ooh. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, I kind of, I could kind of like sing, like from a young age or whatever. And I used to do a theatre group, so I'd be doing like singing and dancing. And I just like, I just loved music in general. Like, I was the type of child who would like a song and I'd just be dancing. I'd be like, again, again, again. And I'd just be like dancing to like the same song for like 24-7. So I think I just love music at a young age. I've just been kind of brought up with it because my mum's a singer as well. And so like we've kind of just like shared our both like singing thing. What was it like performing on the open day? It was, 
I was very nervous before. I was, I don't know why, but because I thought there wasn't going to be as much people, but then I saw everyone walking. I was like, oh God, this is a lot of people. But like, as soon as I hit the stage, like the first song, I was a bit nervous, but then I just got really like confident and I was there like, you know, like I've got this. And it went really smoothly and I was like, it was very fun and I was very happy that I was actually able to do this. And it was just a great feeling overall. Do you write your own material or do you do you a mixture of covers and original? Mixture, mixtures of covers and originals. We've got three original songs so far um, and we're on the move to get a third one. I mean, a fourth one. Um, but we have, we've just done covers as well. We've all picked a cover that's just, just in case, like in gigs in future, to pick, pick up the time. But like, we're going to have... I think near we're gonna have enough enough um, original to like be able to just have the show original like music. Could you tell us the names of some of your originals? Ooh, okay, if I can remember. Our first one, our first one is called "Past the Time." It's about kind of the COVID, what happened in the pandemic, and how like every it like affected everyone mentally. The second song is called "Going for a Ride." Um, it's about kind of breakup and that kind of toxic relationships kind of thing. Um, and then the third one is called ooh, Taking Over, which is about, well, I mean, anyone can take it in their own kind of, they can take it their own way, but I personally made it about mental health and about having like just this thing just haunt you everywhere you go, making you feel just like really bad as a person and just trying to overcome that. So that's our three songs so far. Where did you draw from the experience? Um, the toxic relationship one, no. I just kind of just like, I mean, I'm too young to have a toxic relationship. <laughs> I mean, I think so anyway. You're only 12. In it. <laughs> so I just kind of felt that. And I felt with the pandemic one, it hit, it hit me as well, like home and as well the taking over one hit home. Because like, as I said, with pandemic, everyone's mental health was affected because we were just at home, online school, online work. Like literally, oh, we, we couldn't speak to anyone. Like we couldn't see anyone. So I think... I just make the material that like hits me personally in some ways, but I think will hit the audience as well. Being like, yeah, I get what she's saying. I get like, I feel that. You get what I mean? What's the writing process like for you? So we make the material. We they make the song. So we make the instrumental. They make the instrumental, and they send it on to me, and they're like, you know make li- like you know create lyrics for it, and they like input with me like saying what they think the feel should be for this song. And like maybe give their input on what lyrics I should write, and it's just a whole like team effort to be honest. So it's like I help them with their inst- instrumentally, they help me lyrically, and it's all just a big teamwork bit. You know, How long does it take on average to make a song? Ooh, uh, average. Um, <laughs> to do the maths, well, there's not really a set time because they usually make the stuff like the instrumentals at home because they have their own like equipment at home, so. And for lyrics, it takes... I mean, we meet once a week. um, But, like, I guess it takes maybe, like, a day, probably, to get all it clean and just, like, all clean and good with making the work with the lyrics and the instrumental. So probably, like, a day, to be honest. So if that will be on average. Well, unfortunately, we haven't got any of your tracks to play, but we have got the track that you covered mm-hmm. on the on the open day by yeah. Stevie Wonder called Master Builder. Why did you Why did you choose that one to do? Well, it's kind of funny actually, because Dan 
Dan and Adam go to college and Dan were doing like they were doing it in the college session and then like in the band sessions we were doing they were just going around the chords and just going over and over again and we were just like dancing along to it and then they just said look what if we do this as a cover what if we do this on the gig because we kind of had like less songs and I was like you know what let's go for it we'll do we'll do Master Blaster by Stevie Wonder and it turned out a great success so here it is now Um, so we're going to talk about what we've been doing uh, next gen uh, last week. So, Lyra. Um. Well, yeah. Um. We uh we did uh some music. Um. We made it like on these like computers and iPads and stuff with like the drum, with like the drum beat and um, yeah. It was like we had Garage Band open and we were making like um like the like the bass line and then we're making the melody on the piano and yeah we're doing loads of different things i really enjoyed it who are you working with uh 
who was taking the session? Can't remember the name. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put you on the spot there. There were three young men from uh, the Conservatoire who mm. are practising their workshop techniques on you guys at Next Gen Foundation and they did a lovely job didn't they I thought it was great you all had a go to make some sounds some sounds some beats and some patterns yeah Johan what did you think of the session how did you enjoy it um I really like making the like instead of them making the music for us we got to make our own and then we'd like be able to like maybe uh, we're gonna make a song like maybe next week I think um, and we're just like gonna see if we can like combine it and then make a full song. Well, uh, very nicely, the three guys sent us your piece of music, Mia and Lyra. The piece that you made. Which one? Because we made like we made like on Garage Band, we made one each, and then we like, we made one melody together, and then we made like a synthesizer one together. Good. All in, all in about an hour. Yeah. yeah, that's amazing. In like forty minutes. I think the, I think my drumming was the best. <laughs> we, we would all agree. Untrue. It, it was. Ooh. It was controversial. <laughs> well, we've got a piece of music to listen to, uh, and we're not quite sure. Afterwards, we'll be able to ask him what what it was. So that was a piece of music created last night. It's a very young piece of music indeed, only a day old. So, Mia, what was it? It was the thing that we made on the synthesizer pad, and the thing that we decided to use was called Mermaid, although we thought it sounded more like out of galactic and like space themed. Yeah, I um, I enjoyed that because it was like you were playing on a piano, but you weren't. Like we did play like the like the keys and the music on the piano, but it didn't sound like it was on a piano. Yeah, because it was like the layout like a piano. You tried to play up on the synthesizer piano, and it sounded very weird. Yeah, um, it's really difficult to play anything on the piano because like it yeah you don't it doesn't sound like the keys, so it's really difficult to like make you know a nice piece of music. Does it make you want to go and make your own music at home from different programmes? Definitely, yeah. Well, that's a good thing in itself. Great. Well, it's, we're coming up to the end of the show. I'm going to hand over to Juaria. So, before we end the show, <clears throat> I want to ask them a question which is kind of related to the interview from the start. So, if you basically like ran or oh, starting up your own party... Uh, what would it be called and what would be um, the main focus of it? Ooh, that's a good one. Who wants to go first? Gabriel. I mean, I don't know what it'd be called, but I definitely want it to be climate change based because, you know, how Alex was saying, to have all the money pot plus through to net zero, I'd want to have something to do with climate change because it's a thing that's happening now. It's not going to be, like, happening in the future because by the future it's going to be, like, too late. 
It has to be something that we have to contribute to, like, right now. It's not something that's just fake or story that some people believe that, like, Donald Trump. Um, but, like, I don't know what it'd be called. I think it'd be, like, something like Net Zero, like, Net Zero Party or something like that. Similar to Abril's, um, I'd want it definitely climate change based, but also helping like particularly like animals in animal shelters and like animals in general. I don't know what it'd be called either, but yeah. <laughs> um, if I had a party, I'd probably put it towards like education and bullying because I know that in my school, bullying's like a really big thing that the teachers just don't seem to understand that if you shout at a student, they're going to they're going to do it more. So they think they've like dealt dealt with it and sorted it out, but they really haven't. They've just made it worse. So when people who are actually like being really badly bullied go for help, it's just like making the whole situation way worse. So I'd probably like put a load of like like politics things into trying to resolve that. <laughs> So I don't have a name as well for mine, but my main focuses would be mental health and disability um, because disability is not talked about enough. People don't know enough about it and um, there's not enough people that really advocate for us and mental health because um, it is a serious topic and again people don't take it seriously and services such as CAMS which is child adolescence mental health services need more funding because at the moment they've got like really little funding and the staff are like not trained and I've heard like really 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 bad reviews online about them and um, and our friends that have had that have um, that are under them as well and they've um like not had good experiences either and they're like really dismissive of them the problems and um they don't even give good advice okay you're all not gonna believe this when i say but all this is someone that's having their like, mental offices have a cup of tea and have a bath that's all they pretty much say mm. some of them like leave you i've heard like seen heard and seen like you know the ones that you call like the call line ones someone was left on like hold for like an hour like an hour to like two hours like she was like she was like having like a panic attack she was like in a really bad place and she was left on hold for like an hour like with no one to like help her and then like literally when they got the line two minute conversation be like yeah have a cup of tea and have a bath like what's that supposed to do exactly and also there's a mental health helpline i I will say that because people may agree with it my friend used this one called shout and um They've pretty much left her for three hours at times, and then the conversations haven't even been that helpful. Like, just give it a little bit of advice, like, oh, how do you feel now that you've spoken to me? And then it's like, buy them off to go help someone else. They, like, put the posters on the toilet walls, but people just draw on them, and they don't take, like, they don't care about them because people know about the bad reviews and they're not going to try and use them, so people suffer in, like, the silence when they could be getting proper help. Um, if I were to start a political party, I would, like, focus on, uh, like, uh, the economy because if people are, like, having to pay so much for something that is essential, like food or gas, uh, something that'll, like, that'll basically keep you alive. Also, like, students who are paying so much money just to live in a house, uh, so just so they can go to uni and study, <laughs> um, 
uh, it's like really expensive for them, so they can't afford it unless they get a job at a young, uh, like a younger age. And also, if we're able to um, get the money, we can also get the funding for stuff like climate change and all that. Um, so basically, it's not like a chain. So if you're able to fix one thing, everything else can be fixed as well. I agree with that. And also, the whole climate change thing, we have to find ways to also one, help the planet and help others with uh, disabilities as well. Because as I've, I keep seeing stuff like um, the um, paper straws, um, people are saying that they're like, quite ableist and people with their disabilities are not able to use them because like, some people have like, trouble with. Like, they have like, bad that hand-eye coordinations, so they're like, unable to move the arms. And um, the um, uh, plastic ones, you can bend them, but with the paper ones and the metal ones, you can't really do that. So like, the people struggle a lot. Yeah. Well, I think we've come to the end of the chat. If I was going to find a party... Yeah. Sorry, Sam, yeah, what about you? <laughs> Yeah. Oh, well, I know. I was I was asking more about you, Peter. Um, I've, oh man, you've put me on the spot. I wasn't expecting no. Um, what Johan said about student uh, living, yes, uh, do that more. Um, because yeah, I mean, thirty grand in debt's not what you want in uh, when you're eighteen years old, I guess. So yeah, I guess do that. Um, I call it. Oh, off the top of my head, the um, put. Abolish student loans pie. <laughs> to be fair, no. actually, <laughs> to be fair, Alex from the Breakthrough Party, that was one of his things, that he was going to abolish student debt as soon as he got into power. So that's Vote good. for Alex. Then. Yeah, vote yeah. for Alex. Vote for the break Breakthrough Party. I was very convinced, actually. I thought you sounded great. If I was going to found a party, I'd call it the Artsy Party, and I would... Not the Nazi Party, but the Artsy Party. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you said that as well. I was like, No, the artsy party, and it's but it would be curing the world through painting and creative writing and music and sculpture. And I think with it would the funding would be for an arts centre like Chapel FM Arts Centre every few miles in every city and rural area. April. I I was thinking of this now. If I had another, if I had another one, I was thinking maybe for the refugees as well, something to like able to fund the refugees and maybe those like workers that like since they're refugees are putting in like such low payroll and so like really badly like put jobs so like maybe probably something like that to help fund them and something like that brilliant well this this is thank you everybody for taking part fantastic uh i think we should call out and say goodbye to people Wave goodbye, wherever we do in the radio. We're waving, of course, which you can't see on the radio. So, but you'll have to hear that sort of the, the, the air move. Um, <laughs> we're all, that's brilliant. I'm getting a nice fan here, actually. It's very, very hot wow. in the studio. But anyway, it's the last red kite for a little while, but we'll be back sometime soon. So, Abril, maybe you could declare the last track. The last track is I'm Tired from the show Euphoria by Labyrinth and Zendaya. Hope you have a nice night. Hello, you know I'm tired Hello, you know I'm tired Hello, you know I'm tired of tears Hello, just cut me
Hey, 